How She Does It is proudly supported by iShares, a global leader in ETFs. With over 1,250 products worldwide, iShares is dedicated to providing you with cutting-edge investment solutions for an ever-changing market. Let your best investor out. Take control of your investments and learn more about the importance of incorporating ETFs into your investment strategy. Visit iShares.com. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, The Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us for How She Does It. On this show, we talk about all things women, money, and power. I'm Karen Feinerman. I've come to the conclusion that not taking risks in business and in your career is very risky. It seems like it isn't, but in fact, it's one of the riskiest things you can do. And if you don't fail, you haven't taken enough risks. My guest, Pinky Cole, says it with a lot more flair. She is the author of the new book, I Hope You Fail, 10 Hater Statements Holding You Back from Getting Everything You Want. You may know her best as the owner of Slutty Vegan, which is now a $100 million vegan food empire. She's not a trained chef, and she's never had a business plan. But she once told Business Insider, sex and food are the most pleasurable experiences in life. And if you merge them, you have a recipe for success. Pinky, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. I know you just had a third baby, so I know you got a very busy schedule. So thanks for making time. Look, I make a joke. I change like 20 diapers a day. So you can imagine. That's a productive baby. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Tell us your backstory, because it is an amazing one. And the arc of it is just incredible. So I was born to Jamaican parents. The day that I was born, my father was being sentenced to 30 years in prison. So I was getting my freedom, and my father was losing his. And while my other siblings got to experience the joy of daddy home, I never knew what it felt like to be on American soil with my father. So I grew up in a single-parent household. Yes, I had older brothers who thought that they were daddy. But essentially... Life was a lot different for me from, you know, the people that I grew up around. Everybody had a second parent. I only had one. And what I envisioned is that this was my normal because I didn't know anything different. I watched my mother work about 14-hour days, whether she was working at McDonald's, working at a payroll company, and working at a bank, and then would go home and focus on her passion project, which was being a lead singer of a reggae band. So I saw this unicorn right here, which was a perfect example for me, because it gave me the drive to want to be great and not just be good enough, right? And then I learned from my dad, who was serving time in prison, that no matter what your situation or your circumstance is, as long as this is clear, you can rise above any situation. So I literally got the best of both worlds, and I put these things together, and I became like the ultimate hustler. I was selling candy. I was selling frozen cups. I was selling McChickens. I would go to McDonald's and buy them for a dollar and sell them for $2. But what I learned, I didn't learn it then, 
but I didn't realize that I was prepping and preparing myself to be this entrepreneur. So I was really good at it. And when I graduated from high school, I decided to pack up my Dodge Spirit and put all my clothes in there. And I decided to matriculate at Clark Atlanta University. So here I am, the first person in my family to ever go and complete college. I'm in a new world, a new territory. I see all of these people who look like me, who have nothing in common with me, which was an opportunity for me to really just dive in and build relationships. And I did that. And I started befriending a lot of people, building relationships. And my college career is what really set the foundation for me being an entrepreneur, because at that point I started doing hair, I was making myself known and I was building all of this time. Like I can tell you this now, Karen, because like I'm looking back at my life, but I believe that my story was already written. And because it was written, I was just going through the phases of life to get there. Long story short, graduated from college, took a job teaching, and I hated being a teacher. I hated going through that process. So after five days, I quit. And I didn't even realize that I was cutting those losses early, but I quit that job, went to the airport, flat broke, me and my dog. And this guy from Southwest Airlines asked me what was wrong with me. And I started crying and I'm just like, I'm over here stressed out. And he said, I'll be right back. This man came back and he gave me $240 to get me and my dog Rudy home. And the rest was history. After that time, I said, everything that I put my mind to, I'm going to love it. I'm going to be intentional about it. And I'm not going to do it because other people told me to do that. And I ended up moving to L.A. with a duffel bag, a suitcase, and $250. Became a producer by mistake and was so good at it that it, it got me the opportunity to move to New York City. And while I was in New York, I was working as a producer got the opportunity to work as a producer at The Maury Show. And while I was there, I got an opportunity to open up my first restaurant. And it was called Pinky's Jamaican American Restaurant. And boy, was that a ride. And now did your mom, did she teach you how to cook? No. No. <laughs> okay. You know, it's funny because I grew up in a Rastafarian household. So my mother when I tell you this lady is so natural, I've never seen her wear makeup. I've never seen her wear earrings. She does not shave. Like, she's a very natural woman. And I've never seen her eat anything outside of fish. So she's very, like, ito, organic. Like, that is the kind of woman that she's been. That's the only way that I've known her. So, like, I grew up with a certain conscious way of living. So I like to say I had the cheat code. You know what I mean? <laughs> so when I opened up this first restaurant, I'm selling oxtails and jerk chicken and curry chicken. And I didn't eat that food. So full circle... I wasn't in alignment. That's not what I was supposed to be doing. The universe didn't want that for me because I wasn't being real with myself. And I know that might sound deep, but the reality of it is that wasn't the purpose that I was supposed to be walking in. And as a result of that, I lost everything. So in 2016, I had a grease fire. I had just left my restaurant and I went home and the fire department called me and told me that my business was on fire. It was the worst experience ever. I'm the person that has always won everything that I put my hands on. Like, I'm the person, I'm going to go get it. If I want it, it's mine, right? And I sacrificed my 20s in this business. And in my sacrifice, I realized that, like, I was putting so much into the business that I wasn't focused on the backup plan. And because I wasn't focused on the backup plan, I literally lost everything. My car got repoed. I got kicked out of my apartment. I went flat broke. I was in a bad relationship at the same time. So like all of these things are tumbling down on me and I could not figure it out. And I'm a problem solver, mm -hmm. especially if you are a, a go-getter and you do what you say you're going to do. I could not figure it out. Did you feel like giving up? 
Did you ever lose your faith in yourself and your ability? I did for like five seconds because <laughs> I'm human, right? Uh-huh, right. And, you know, Karen, what I want people to know when they hear my story is that I am imperfect. I'm imperfectly perfect. And things happen in my life. People see the lights. People see all the great things. But I struggle sometimes, too. I'm human, too. I cry sometimes, too. But at the end of the day, I live to fight another day. You know what I'm saying? Like, I do not give up. And because I could have given up and threw the towel in, I didn't. And because I didn't, I got an opportunity to work as a television producer on a show called Iyanla Fix My Life. And that literally saved my life. Because how ironic is it that I'm going through trauma. I'm going through what felt like a depression. And I get to work on a healing show that helps people with their own trauma and their own depressions. I'm like, God, you came at the right place at the right time, you know? So you really felt like this was a divine intervention. It was a divine intervention, which is why I believe that the story is always written, whether you like to believe it or not, whether you go through a breakup or not, whether you lose a business or not, whether bad things happen or not, the story is already written and you just got to get behind a driver's seat. And that's literally what I did. Now, my eyes wasn't all the way open. Okay, like it was blurry. My vision was blurry. But guess what? I was still driving. And because I was still driving, I got this opportunity and I walked away from everything. And I got the chance to build back up my money. My wages was getting garnished. I got myself out of the eviction. Like I really made a 180 and I felt like God was preparing me for something. So at that time, I started running five miles a day, reading a book every day. And people thought that I was crazy. And I'm telling you, I was preparing for something. I just didn't know it was going to look like Slut Vegan. And here we go. We get to Atlanta. They asked me to work in Atlanta to be on the show temporarily. And I did that. And while I was in Atlanta, I got the opportunity to be with the guests. And I was in my two-bedroom apartment. And Slutty Vegan was born. What happened in that apartment that... Gave life to Slutty Vegan. Light bulb. I had a light bulb moment. Uh-huh. Okay. Literally an epiphany. You know, sometimes people feel like it got to be this whole, you said it in your intro, a business plan. I didn't have none of that. I had no business plan. I was just sitting back, to be honest. But I was smoking some weed. And I was smoking weed. And I came up with this idea. And I'm not a smoker. This is just one of them things. Like, come here. Let me try that. And I tried it. And Slutty Vegan literally just came out the clouds. No pun intended. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Slutty. Obviously, that's a word that's kind of, you know, that's provocative. You don't mistake it for other places, for sure. Slutty vegan is about what is it about exactly? Slutty vegan is a concept that helps people to reimagine food in a way that they've never experienced it. So when I created this concept, that wasn't the mission or the motive. I just wanted to get some vegan food for myself because I didn't want to eat a side of salad and fries from Chick-fil-A all the time. I wanted some food on a late night that I could love and appreciate. And at the moment, at that time, there weren't a lot of people interested in veganism. Historically, veganism is something that is a rich white lifestyle. And that's just what, you know, society tells you. So I literally came in the space to break that notion and tell people that it don't matter what you look like. It don't matter how much money you make. Veganism can be available for everybody. And I am being the resource to show people that it can be accessible. And, th and that's literally been the mission. I took this thing from a shared kitchen to a food truck to now over a dozen brick and mortars, all with the mindset that I want people to know that you ain't even got to be vegan. Uh huh. Just incorporate some new items into your lifestyle and like, it'll make the world a better place. I know that sounds cliche, but it's the truth. So our producer, Haley, she goes to the Fort Greene location 
She loves Slutty Vegan. Her husband, who is a carnivore, absolutely loves it as well. It's comfort food for vegans, right? Which is something you don't pair together. And I guess it comes to your, you know, sex and food and what's better than that. Okay, so you've made this empire. And then one of the great restaurateurs and businessmen of the U.S., Danny Meyer, comes along and wants to buy a stake in your company. What did that feel like? I didn't have time to feel. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I don't know. And I pray that this happens for you if it hasn't happened already. There's not many people in life that can say that their wildest dream has come true, right? Mm -hmm. So because my wildest dream has come true, all I've been focused on is the dream and building the dream. And because I've been so focused on building the dream, I've gotten so many accolades, so many accomplishments, so many achievements, but I've been so head focused, head down in the trenches, working and making it big that I really didn't like sit down to like get present with the fact that I had the biggest restaurateur in the world wanting to invest his dollars in my business. Now that I sit back and I got time to like really think, I'm like, damn, this is real. But that just tells you that great people recognize greatness, right? Mm -hmm. As long as I continue to stay focused, more greats like the Danny Myers of the world will continue to recognize all that I'm doing in the community, all that I'm doing to change the narrative about vegan food and provocative words. So mm -hmm. Danny is a great mentor. He is a great success story. And I hope to be better than him when I reach to his level. And I'm sure that he'll laugh and agree with me. Yes. He's the kind of guy that would love it if people he invests in can be even better than he is. Absolutely. But yeah, I'm excited. I really got some good people on my team. I got him. I got Richie Lou Dennis, who leads Rich New Voices. And, you know, it's little old me from East Baltimore who come from Jamaican parents whose dad did 22 years in prison. And I've gotten more opportunities than somebody probably would get in their whole entire lifetime. It really is. A, it's an amazing story. So you got Danny Meyer, you got some other amazing people in your life, your husband, right? How did that come along? Interesting story. So you remember when George Floyd riots, all of that was happening, somebody broke the windows out of his restaurant when they were protesting downtown Atlanta. And obviously he's a startup company. It affected him. So he went on the social media to talk about what happened. So because I'm a community change agent, it's only right for me to reach out because he's an entrepreneur just like me. So I reached out to him and I asked him if he needed any help, if he needed some support. And, you know, men are prideful. Yeah. And he was like, no, I don't need no help. He was like, but, you know, it's so nice to meet you. I've been watching you from afar. I would love to connect with you and see how we could just find some synergies to just work together. And we went to my favorite vegan restaurant. And when I tell you... It was love at first sight. Yeah. I'm like, this is the one. Like, I'm going to date him. We had so much in common. We both had startup companies. We both do a lot for the community. We both are go-getters. We speak the same language. Like, I'm a grizzly bear. When I say grizzly bear, like, I'm a go-getter. He is, too. And I'm just like, okay, I can do this. And every day after that, we have been inseparable. And what I like about my husband is that even in moments where I slack off, because I'm human, he'll pick me back up and vice versa. He'll hold me accountable just like I can hold him accountable. I never have to turn it off because we're in the same field. So what turns him on in business turns me on in business. If my business dips a little bit, I'm, I'm trying to see his numbers so that, you know, I can compare the metric and vice versa. 
So there's a great irony, of course, in his franchise, which is very different than yours. Big Dave's cheesesteaks, which, and the slutty vegan pairing, you probably wouldn't have thought of that. And yet here you are. So you got to go to your place, not his, if you're going to have dinner together. So it's funny because I can eat dinner anywhere, right? So I'm the girl that I'm going to go to the restaurant and say, hey, can you bring the chef out so that he can make me something to eat? So like, we never had that problem. The thing is that I like about my husband is that even though we had two different dietary lifestyles, we could coexist in the same space without judging one another. And I'm happy about that because not many people can say that they can do that. We literally have two empires between us both. That's a lot of generational wealth to unlock. So like, I I let him do his thing and he lets me do my thing. And he even comes over and supports me with some of my recipe development because my audience is not the vegan. My audience is the meat eater. So I need the people that go to his restaurant to come to my restaurant and enjoy the food. But we work very well together. He's my friend first and he cooks for me all the time. So I like it. <laughs> what you just said is really, it's just dawned on me as part of the genius and like every great idea after you hear it, it's so obvious that the meat eater is your customer as well, is, I mean, a very different take on what a normal vegan franchise or restaurant business plan would look like. Yeah, it's very different, which is why we are a leader in the space. Because people don't come to Slutty Vegan because I want good vegan food. They come to Slutty Vegan because they want good food. You mm. know what I mean? And yep. as long as the food is good, then they'll keep coming back again and again and again. And we've seen it time and time again. Sometimes, Karen, I look back and I'm like, this is really my concept. Like, I really created this. This really started as an idea right here. And now I'm a leader in the vegan space. When you talk about vegan restaurant chains, you got to say slutty vegan. You can't have that conversation without putting us in the mix. And that tells us that we're doing something right. So, you know, we did a McKinsey brand study, a brand equity study, and basically broke down what the business is. A little over 70% of our audience, they're meat eaters. So what that told me is, wow, we are reaching a different audience, which is why, in retrospect, slutty vegan is so necessary to the world because it's not just a pushing agenda kind of business. This is a really good restaurant with really good food and it so happens to be vegan. So you don't isolate all those couples that are, all right, he's carnivore, she's a vegan. He's like, I'm not going to a vegan place. No, they love it. People love it. They want to see what the hype is about. And it's just cool to see how people, you know, just take on to the brand. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back. Are you ready to find a better way to invest? iShares, the global leader in ETFs, can help you take control of your portfolio and stay on top of your financial future. In a time marked by economic uncertainty, iShares helps investors unleash their potential with timely market insights from its investment strategy teams to help individuals make sense of current markets. No matter what the state of the world, you can pursue your financial goals. Let your best investor out. Visit iShares.com to explore investment insights and solutions. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. 
let's get into I hope you fail. I just get it. I get what you're saying. But tell us the message that you are trying to give people in so many areas of their life, business, personal life, everything. So I did the commencement speech at Clark Atlanta University. Man, first of all, that was a big deal because I was the youngest commencement speaker and that was my alma mater. So it was just great all the way around. But my topic was, I hope you fail. And what I talked about is my story and how there came a time in my life where things didn't work out the way that I wanted to work out because I didn't have a plan, but it really wasn't my plan. God had a bigger plan. And all the tribulations that I've been through and all of the bad experiences, now that I look back, I realize that they weren't bad at all. They were just opportunities for me to be able to understand and find the lesson in the what now I look at now is the blessing. So at that commencement speech, my messaging to them is it's finding the aspiration in the losses. It's not failing. We're going to go through shit, right? Like we are, life is going to life. And life is not going to always be easy, but how can you rise above the ashes and find out why you're going through what you're going through? Sometimes you got to sit in the pain, right? Because sitting in the pain sometimes teaches you how to never feel like that again. You ever had something happen in your life and you're like, all right, this don't feel good. But guess what? When I get over this, I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to go back here again. I'll never feel this kind of experience again. And that's literally what the book talks about, right? We want certain things to happen so that we can learn how to be smarter, how to be better. It's just like a baby that got to learn how to walk. A baby starts crawling, then they walk and then they fall. And then they walk a little bit more and then they fall again. And then the more they fall and get back up, they get stronger. And the stronger that you get, you build your momentum, you build your strength. And that's exactly what happens to us in life. So that is the universal message about I hope you fail. There are chapters in there like, I hope that job doesn't work for you. Because there's a better job or a better opportunity or even entrepreneurship waiting for you on the other side. You know what I'm saying? I hope you don't get the job, right? But there's always light at the end of the tunnel. So if you lock in and realize that you have to reverse engineer when bad things happen, you'll understand that you can shape the narrative of positive things happening in your life. And it's like an art and a science to it. So when bad things happen to me, Karen, I'm like, okay. What am I supposed to learn from this? What do I need to know so that I can continue to maneuver and not get here again? Or if I get here again, I know how to handle it. That's literally what it is. I don't want you to fail. But if you do fail, here are the tools that can help you navigate through what society tells you that failure is. So I love the book. One of the other things that, you know, you have some very sort of practical information like, okay, have insurance, right? <laughs> Get the damn fire insurance. Right. Get the fire insurance. This is from when your restaurant burned down. And okay, so that's incredibly practical insurance. That's something that's not going to happen again. It's never going to happen again. That's never going to happen again. You know why? It's so funny, even down to so the insurance and my wages got garnished after I closed that business because I didn't know that you had to close the accounts out. I was so green. They didn't teach us that in school. So now that I have Slutty Vegan, I have the insurance. I got the accountants. I got the lawyers. I got everything that I need that I don't have to be behind the eight ball. And nobody ever wants to be behind the eight ball, especially when it's a business that's doing well. But I needed, I feel like that was the springboard. Having that first restaurant and losing it all was the springboard for me to prepare myself for this multi-million dollar brand. Because otherwise, I probably wouldn't have known and I probably would have fumbled the ball with this business because I didn't have no experience. Mm -hmm. 
Another part of your life that I know has been so important is giving back. And in preparing for this, I watched a video. It was of a number of students at Clark Atlanta. We come back full circle to where you went to college and you had paid off their student debt. And tell us about how you thought about that. And then how did you deliver that message? What did that feel like to let them know you were doing that? I cried more than they did. You know, I was just talking to my friend and I was talking about how I witnessed my mother help everybody around her. And she didn't ask for anything in return. She just wanted to help. It just, it felt good to be able to be a steward to people. So I became my mother. I, I do all of the things that my mother do. Sometimes people take advantage of it. Sometimes they don't. But being able to put these people in a better position because they were in financial imprisonment was really good, man. <laughs> I bet. I mean, it's life-changing. Yeah, because like you never know people's backstories. One person came from Houston, Texas, and his mother spent her last to make sure that he went to school. And then he was going to have to walk away from it all just because he didn't have $3,000 to close out of his account. Do you know what that means to be able to put people in a better position? Like that to me, that's money, man. That's gold. On so many levels, on the people that came, on the institution, on me, on the idea of just being a steward on my foundation. So it's a win for everybody. And I'm just so happy that I got to do it. It was amazing. Amazing. All right. You talk about sort of learning from your mistakes. You know, I hope you fail. But one of the best things we can do in life, I've found, is not just learn from our own mistakes, learning from someone else's mistake, which is a whole lot cheaper than learning from your own. But is there anything that you learned from a mistake that maybe your parents made or maybe a friend made where you saw somebody do something and like, wow, I will never do that. I will never, ever take my hand off the wheel. I have a multi-million dollar business. I also have children. So after two years of like being in the business and running it day to day, I decided that I wanted to get out of the business. But in my getting out of the business, I really got out the business. Does that make sense? Like I went on and I'm like, I'm still in it, but like, at the highest level. I went from touching everything, knowing what everything was, everything that's happening, like, and, and that was important to me. So when I stopped doing that, I saw the shift. And I'm not saying that my company wasn't running properly. What I'm saying is the essence of my being was missed. And when I look back full picture, I realized that it does not matter how big you get. It does not matter how much money you get in the bank, how much notoriety you get. Never take your hands off the wheel because you put yourself in position for somebody else to grab it. And I'm so happy that I learned that lesson early on. Now I'm fully back. I'm like, I'm back in my business. I'm locked in. I know where everything is. I know what's happening. And like, it feels so good because one, I fell back in love with my brand. Two, I know exactly what's happening in my brand. And I don't have to have somebody speak to me about what is happening in my brand. And a lot of startup companies go through that. Like this burnout is real. Founders get burned out. So they want to step back and take a break. But you also just have to be mindful and prioritize what's important. Because if you take your hand off the wheel at the wrong time, everything that you work for, you could lose. So one other thing in your book that I loved, it was a quote, which is, I, I might get a little bit wrong, but the gist of it was, the sky is not the limit. There is so much more above the sky. So what is beyond the sky for you? I mean, you've already come so, so far, but I, it does not sound like you are the type of person to rest on that at all. So what is next? I don't know what's beyond the sky, but what I do know 
is that anything beyond the ceiling that I shatter gotta be great. <laughs> if it's great this much right here, imagine when I get here, right? So like I'm striving to continue to elevate myself. And Karen, I promise you, I'm not talking about money. This has nothing to do with the dollar. This is about the aspiration and the inspiration of it all. This is about showing people that a person who looks like me, walk like me, talk like me can have everything that he or she wants as long as they lock in and believe in themselves. So that ceiling, I see it, but I got a hammer and I'm going to break it. And once I break it, I'm out of here and it's world domination. That's the kind of vibe that I'm on. And I hope that the people that are listening to this and watching this really understand that it is so important not to limit yourself. Even if people call you crazy, even if people tell you like, all right, that ain't going to work. That's not a good idea. F y'all. I'm going to continue to do what it is that I want to do because I know that I got that je ne sais quoi, right? And that right there, everybody has it, but everybody don't know how to unlock it. But I truly believe that I've unlocked mine and it only gets greater later. So whatever is up there, I'm coming for it. <laughs> so, Pinky, has your mother been able to see this success that you've had and this extraordinary path? Okay, so I'll be totally transparent. So at first, she used to get so excited. She's about to cry about everything. She sees me in the New York Times and Washington Post. And she was crying all the time. Now, I've set the expectations. So she, it's to be expected. My daughter is a go-getter. It's to be expected that she's in these magazines. It's to be expected that she's successful because I know that my daughter is going to put the pressure on herself to be great. So now when big things happen, like I did Kelly Clarkson the other day and she watched the interview. She was like, okay. And then she went on and I'm like, ma, like show me some respect. Like, did you happy that you saw me on TV? She was like, I expect this. So that tells me that, okay, it's time to elevate. She believes in you. That's what that is. She, she believes in me. So she knows she's not surprised. But the best feeling in the world is to know that both my mother and my father still have breath in their lungs to watch their daughter make it to a space that they could have only imagined. Remember I told you that my mother is the lead singer of a reggae band, right? So she wanted to be a superstar too. Uh huh. But now she can be a superstar through me. And that feels so good. So I know you said this wasn't about the money, but clearly money does give one a lot of things. What did you do with that first money where you started to feel, all right, I really have enough money? What did you do? How did that feel? I don't have enough money. <laughs> <laughs> What is enough money, right? Like Right, there, yes, yes. I remember my first bonus I got, and it was $6,000, which was enormous to me, absolutely enormous. And I bought this super great stereo, and it had a five-CD changer, which I thought was the coolest thing. And I don't think I've ever gotten more joy out of anything that I've purchased than that first time that I could, you know, buy it for myself. That's funny that you said that. I have a story like that. Oddly enough, I still have not done anything nice enough for myself that I could sit back and be like, oh, my first purchase, because everything that I make in the business, I reinvest it in the business. So like I don't take dividends. I, I put myself on payroll up until recently. So I want my business to win so much that like I reinvest everything. Like I'm I am an employee to my own business. Do I need to do something nice for myself? Yes. Yeah, sounds like it'll be good and fun. <laughs> I do a lot of speaking engagements. So like I love experiences. You know, my income obviously and my husband's income goes to real estate. That's like a fun purchase. Like I love buying real estate. We got over a dozen properties. And I like to travel. Traveling is I'm the girl. You wanna talk about travel? Like I wanna just travel the world and just lay on a beach 
beach and I want to be in tropical spaces. But if I'm by the water, that gives me the opportunity to just breathe. So like my first kind of purchases was just buying experiences and buying real estate. Mm-hmm. All right. That's something. That's a lot of things. 12 properties. That's a lot. All right. We're going to have to take a quick break and we'll come back with the lightning round. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Okay, we're back with the lightning round. Just would you rather just answer the first thing that comes to mind? Okay, here we go. Baltimore or Atlanta? Batlanta. <laughs> okay. Fussy hussy or one night stand? Fussy hussy. What is it about the fussy hussy over the one night stand? I like the pickles. <laughs> okay. Chanel or Gucci? Gucci. Take risks and fail or pursue easy wins? Take risks and fail. Cook an elaborate meal at home or grab takeout from your favorite spot? Cook at home. Would you rather be a VIP at a concert or courtside at a game? VIP at a concert. Beach or mountains? I think you just said. Beach. <laughs> yes. Okay. Would you rather, I don't know what you're going to answer, I think. Would you rather have fortune or fame? Fame. Can I tell you why, though? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> the, and this might sound like a very odd answer. The fame will bring me the fortune. Okay, that makes sense. The fortune can bring you the fame, but in this instance, in these days, anybody can make a living off TikTok, social media, like it's easier than it was before. The fame will give me the eyes, will draw in more customers and more revenue to continue to grow my businesses. And your fortune. I actually thought you were going to say both, that you would not accept needing to do one or the other. I like both. Both both are great. (laughs) Okay. Would you rather open a restaurant or a bar? A bar at this point. Okay. Do you prefer fiction or nonfiction? Nonfiction. Okay, what are you reading right now? I love documentaries. Documentaries are my thing. What else do I like? I just read Rich Dad, Poor Dad again. Ah, again. Yes, that's what. That's kind of like my blueprint. And Relentless by Tim Grover. That's a really good book. Okay, what is something that you've changed your mind about in the last year? That I wouldn't have kids no more and that I had another child? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that must have happened right at the beginning of the last year. Okay, last two. What is the best investment you've ever made and the worst investment? An investment could be anything. The best investment I ever made. A sprinter. A sprinter. A sprinter van. A sprinter van. Because we have five kids between the two of us. And we got a lot of family. So when we travel, we do not have to bring multiple cars. And I want an RV eventually. So this is like the first step to getting an RV. That was my fate, my best. And my worst, a condo. <laughs> two condos, actually, that we bought fully furnished. And we were told that like it would make a lot of money. And I ain't made a red cent from either one of those condos. So I'm just paying it with no tenants in it because nobody wants to live there. So that probably was the worst. All right. That's not terrible. 
Okay, that was the lightning round. Pinky, thank you so much for spending the time with me. It's a fascinating conversation. I love just seeing the arc of your story and there's so much more to go. Where could our listeners find you? You can find me on all social media handles at Pinky Cole, or if you want to learn more about Slutty Vegan, at Slutty Vegan ATL on all social media handles. And if you want to learn about my new passion project, American Sesh, you can find more information at www.americansesh.com. Okay, that's a busy woman for sure. Thank you so much, Pinky. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today on How She Does It. Thank you so much to Pinky Cole for sharing why all her failures made her successes that much sweeter. When you have a moment, please follow us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to updates from the Her Money community at hermoney.com slash subscribe. Our producers are Catherine Tuggle and Haley Pascalides with help from everyone at Her Money. The podcast is mixed and mastered out of CDM Sound Studios. Our music is from Video Helper and our show comes to you through Megaphone. Have a great week and I look forward to seeing you here with us again. Onward. <laughs>